Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Uh, today we begin our season of stewardship and a kind of a sermon series roughly around that uh, uh, entitled Getting the Gospel Right and Getting the Gospel Out. A lot of people talk about getting the gospel out, but they don't have the gospel right. And so we're getting the gospel right and getting at the gospel out. And over the last couple of weeks, we have been walking through the book of Exodus. The lectionary's taken us through there. And today we hit this incident in the story of Israel's wilderness, their sojourn, uh, where uh, they um, make a golden calf. It's called the Golden Calf Incident. And so let me set it all up for us today. In uh, chapter 19 through 24, basically God establishes a covenant with Israel. This is how God works. He works through these things called covenants. They involve trust, uh, and they involve, um, they involve trust, they involve uh, vulnerability, and all of these things. And he establishes this covenant with Israel, and the sign of the covenant uh, with Israel is the law, as Ben preached on last week, the Ten Commandments. And uh, if you notice and you study this, this covenant is a two-way street. You do your part, and God will do his. It's the only one of the five covenants in the Old Testament that is a two-way street, Uh, but this is the one that is a two-way street. And at the end of chapter 24, after establishing this covenant between Israel and God, you remember Moses sacrifices the animals and fills it up, these basins with blood, and the people are like, all that God has said, we will do. And Moses throws the blood on them as a sign of the covenant. And then he makes his way back up to Mount Sinai. So when we come to our reading today, it opens up by telling us Moses was delayed to come down from the mountain. And you've got to think about this. Moses hasn't been gone for just 10 days. Moses isn't gone for just 20 days. Moses isn't gone for just 30 days. Moses has been gone for 40 days. This is taking a whole heck of a lot longer than anyone has thought. And Israel is still in Horeb in the wilderness Israel is feeling particularly out of control. I don't know if I'm speaking to anyone today, but I don't know if you're feeling like Israel in the midst of this pandemic, if you're feeling like Israel during this election year, you're feeling like Israel during your furlough, you're feeling like Israel, uh, you know, just being locked up in your apartment all day with your roommate or your family. But all of this stuff is taking a lot longer than anyone would have thought. And so the people approach Aaron. That's Moses' brother who's to watch and assure the people. That's his role. And they tell him, do something. Aaron, take control. I find it so easy to relate to Israel in these moments. I hate the fact that I can because I should be better by now. But I get it. I mean, you think about it. God parted the Red Sea. God provided manna and quail. He, there's, there's, there's water gushing out of a rock. 
right at that moment. He provides, he provides, he provides. Can you picture it? They're like picking their teeth with quail bone. And they're like, you know, Aaron, do something. Hold on, let me get a drink. Aaron, do something. How many times in your life have you been in a fearful situation and you rushed ahead? You know, do something. You tried to take control of a situation and you held on to it tight. And in that squeezing, you actually made things worse. We read here in this incident in Exodus in an attempt to maintain control. And notice, this is, very an important, this is a very important thing. Aaron says, take the gold from their earrings, from their ears. Because they should have been hearing all that God had been promising to them. Hearing all that God had done. And they take the gold from their ears and they begin to maintain control. And they build this golden calf of jewelry and hail the gods who delivered them out of Egypt. And then Aaron hails it as a festival day to Yahweh. He actually invokes the name. And then the people, they sit down to eat more quail and manna. They drink all that water and they rise up to revel. And we all know what revel is in the Bible. In other words, what we see here is is that by taking control, they lose it all the more. They actually make things worse. This is my first point. Our need for control is often where we get ourselves into the biggest pickles in life. Aaron faced the pressures of the people. The people faced the pressures of the wilderness and no Moses. And they all tried to take control and made a big old mess of things. You and I, we're facing all manners of pressure and trial here in 2021. Masks on, masks off, wash your hands. Don't touch this, don't touch that. And it even goes worse. We're not getting another stimulus. You're in trouble. Make sure you say the right things politically or your kids won't talk to you anymore. Trying to maintain control is killing all of us. And it's exhausting. And on one level, you've got no choice. We are so out of control right now as a society in 2021 that we're living in a cesspool of it. I mean, the jar, there's no more air in it and it's just tightening. So we continue to read. We see that God is livid and rightly so. And he tells Moses that he's going to destroy these stiff-necked people and start all over with Moses making a great nation. The wages of sin is indeed death. Yet Moses responds to God. And he responds for the salvation of his people. And he begins to mediate on their behalf. But not on the basis of nothing. Moses doesn't say, turn your fierce wrath 
change your mind and do not bring disaster on your people. Pretty please with sugar on top. Nor does Moses appeal to the Mosaic Covenant, the one established with the people just 40 days earlier. The two-way street God made with Israel 40 days earlier. No. Moses intercedes on behalf of his people by appealing to the covenant God made with Abraham. This is Paul's point in Romans 3 and 4 that I'm walking through in the book of Romans. He appeals to Abraham's covenant here. And it's interesting because even if God had deigned to eviscerate Israel right there, he would have still been faithful to the covenant he made with Abraham. God's not capricious in his judgments. There's an interesting thing if you want to know my thoughts on changing mind, because I don't think God changed his mind there, but shoot me an email and I'll explain to you why. But so Moses intercedes on behalf of his people by appealing to the covenant God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. A covenant that is based on faith. Remember, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. The one-way street covenant by which God makes the offer of a relationship and says, hey, I'm going to do everything despite what you do, good or bad, to see that this relationship is not only preserved, but that it is eternal. For the covenant with Abraham, and consequently Isaac and Jacob, was not based on their goodness. Rather, that covenant was based on God's goodness and God's desire to save the whole world through their offspring. And the good news of the Abraham covenant, the covenant that Moses appeals to, is that through his offspring, which culminates in the person and work of Jesus Christ, all the nations of the earth now are blessed including you and I, who are offspring of Abraham by faith. Exodus, when you begin to really read the whole thing, it demonstrates that so much of life is out of control. It's out of our control for sure. Yet instead of backing, instead of buckling down as we're often taught, Instead of taking more control, what Exodus illustrates is that what you and I need is a mediator and an advocate. And in this moment in Exodus, that is exactly what Moses is for Israel. He is their mediator and their advocate before God. However, as we read the rest of the story... The calf incident was not just a one-off, was it? Israel was constantly trying to take control. And even Moses himself, their mediator, because of his sin, could not himself get into the promised land. And if you're like me, like I said earlier, I hate it, you can see yourself in Israel over and over again. I am a big old control freak, messing things up for myself 
and sadly, sometimes even for others. This is my second point. What we begin to read here as Christians is that Moses, the lawgiver, thank God, points us to Jesus Christ, the law fulfiller. Jesus is the greater Moses, who, as the author of Hebrews writes, mediates a new covenant founded on better promises. And these promises to you are, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is my blood of the new covenant, shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And as a control freak who cannot help myself, in Jesus, you and I have a mediator and an advocate. And in Jesus, God is for Not only for, but God forgives control freaks. And what Jesus actually does, this is the good news of the gospel also, is that Jesus actually works through the mess brought on by our control. He works through that mess ultimately for our good and his glory. We are living in a time and a period Not more than ever, don't believe the hype, but it's felt acutely and it's in your face all the time when the future seems uncertain. And people like you and me are feeling out of control in so many areas of our lives, maybe even especially financially. And to add on to all of that, we're living in a city where because of everything going on, people feel unworthy. They're feeling unworthy at home. They're feeling unworthy at work. They're feeling completely out of control. And to add to that big mess, you know, the sprinkle on top of this Sunday from hell is, you know, guilt and shame. Extra scoop of guilt and shame, please. I mean, I was literally speaking to somebody who got a positive COVID test. And the anger that person faced at work when she had to tell her colleagues and boss, you know, the anger she experienced in her building. This week I went to go get, I was running a little late, and I went to go get a cup of coffee from my favorite coffee place across, uh, like on Park Avenue there. And uh, I ordered my coffee, and I did what a lot of New Yorkers, all of us have probably done. I got the coffee, it was piping hot, and I just like, I had one of those right here. I went in for a sip and this barista was like sir get your mask back on or get out of my shop and I was like oh my god I'm so sorry let me come back this coffee's so good but you know and I was like I was like clearly I mean I we are in a and everybody was looking at me and I had my collar on I was like Jesus so anyway but what are you gonna do and the world's message is the same as it's always been. I mean, just go get your daily dose of 24-hour news. You know, it's amped up right now. You don't add up. Take more control. At Calvary St. George's, 
our mission and our message is the same as it's always been, which is we preach you definitely don't add up. You're out of control. We recognize that. Yet God in Christ says, take it easy. I'm in control. I love you. I know you're out of control. And by the death and resurrection of my son Jesus, the gospel, you can trust and you can believe that I am working out everything for the good in your life. I want to invite you this year to partner with us in a pledge financially, wherever you're at, so that we can continue to get this gospel out. We can't control the economy. We can't control inflation. We can't control geopolitical events. We can't control politics or much of anything else. However, here we know that God is in control and we can trust him to work all things out and we can trust him that he's calling us to this continued mission to share the gospel not only now in New York City but through all of these various different platforms with the entire world lots of people lots of nonprofits are going to be vying for your support in the next couple of months but if I may say and I may be so bold I can't think of a more important investment than sharing the gospel in a church that's local but now has a global reach. Getting the gospel right, getting the gospel right and then out has eternal returns. And I honestly believe that if you invest in the kingdom of God you won't lose anything in the final analysis. And this is my third point. You and I have a mediator and advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the mediator and advocate for the whole world. Most of them just don't know it yet. Join us in making a pledge to this parish and help us get the gospel right the message that in Jesus Christ there is no sin too great, no idol too big for Jesus to forgive and ultimately redeem. And join us in making a serious pledge to this parish to help us get the gospel out so that every person might know that they've been atoned for by the death and resurrection of Jesus. And help us bring recovering control freaks into this fold so that they too might enjoy their forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.